Welcome to Creators by Moonlight. Real conversations with content creators. Phil Ebner is an online course creator from San Dimas, California. As the founder of Video School, he creates classes to teach others the arts, including photography, videography, and editing. In this episode, he talks about life after film school, vital skills for creative careers, and how giving back pays off. I'm Phil Ebener. I am from outside Los Angeles in a town called San Dimas. A lot of people know it because it's the home of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. And so for a small town, a lot of people around the world know where I'm from, at least. Yeah, I grew up in SoCal. I went to film school here. I had a pretty cool childhood. Just uh, was super into baseball. Thought I wanted to be a baseball player when I grew up. I played up through freshman year. I played second base. That was like primarily my position. In Little League, I bounced around. I was catcher for a little bit, which was fun. And I loved it. And as a kid, it's like that was the dream. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. But then you hit high school and there's a lot of good kids playing compared to Little League. And there's a lot of politics involved with who gets to get on the team and and whatnot. And so I didn't make the team in high school. I continued just privately in the local leagues through freshman year a sad realization that that was not actually going to be my future because I was really, really into baseball and still am in terms of watching it. But I do thank it because it got me into the video aspect of wanting to do the broadcasting. And that's kind of what the launching point for where I am today, actually like really liking content creation. I moved on to um, creating videos in high school and sort of found a passion for creating video content and all kinds of content and have turned that into my career now. When I grew up in the 90s, anybody that's older than 30 knows that making videos by yourself was not really easy to do. We didn't really have digital cameras that recorded video. It was really hard to get your video from your tape camcorder, your mini DV recorder onto a computer. And so it was a big deal for me in high school to get the right hardware and software where I actually was able to use my parents' old camcorder making videos with my friends and get it onto the computer. And I was one of the few people in my high school that did that. And so I remember when you're in high school, it's probably different nowadays. I'm sure there's like a lot of class projects where they're like, oh, well, instead of making a PowerPoint presentation, go make like a video presentation or something like that. But when I was in high school, that was kind of a new thing where we were like, can we do a video instead of like do like an oral presentation or something like that? It was really the very beginning, though, of I saw the whole transition into digital video content. And I always look back and think, man, if YouTube was around when I was in high school, I would have been all over it because I was interested in content creation and and video production, video creation. 
And the only way I did that, or the best way I did that rather, was we had the local TV station. And so for people who remember cable... Cable TV, which now is like this like ancient thing. <laughs> now we have YouTube TV. Everyone watches their video online. But a lot of people had cable back then. And a lot of towns had like a local channel which had really crappy TV shows on it. They would show your city council meetings and all kinds of stuff. But we pitched the idea in high school to the local station to do a show, a talk show about baseball, like a sports talk show. And so with a few friends, we went every week during high school and we did like a local baseball talk show and we talked about MLB and that was awesome because we like were creating a lot of content every week we got to share it it was just the three local cities around us that got that but i remember now i think man if we had youtube we would be putting that on youtube and who knows maybe today we would have uh you know a big giant channel sports talk show channel on youtube but all that to be said it wasn't really a content creator was not a thing when I was growing up. It was more of the dream to be like a Hollywood film director or go into like broadcast television or be like a sports broadcaster. That was sort of the dream when I was starting to get into video creation as a a kid and a teen. Phil decided to attend film school to prepare for a career in the entertainment industry. But while he enjoyed his time there, The student debt he inherited led to the formation of Video School, a way to teach others creative skills outside of the traditional education model. I was really focused on film or TV schools, and the two that I came down to were Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles and Chapman University in Orange County. And both of those are pretty good film schools in the United States and in Southern California. And a lot of it had to come down to like financials and if I got scholarships here or there. But Loyola Marymount, if I went there, it was more of like a traditional film school program versus Chapman. It would have been a broadcast journalism track where it would have been either in front of the camera, news anchor kind of thing, or like behind the camera, but still broadcast. But I was definitely like going to college thinking... I want to do something with film. I ended up going to Loyola Marymount for just a variety of reasons, financials, and I like the campus. And there you get different tracks of like, you could do screenwriting or directing or cinematography. And I focus more on like documentary film production. One of the best parts about film school was being able to do a couple big projects both in my junior and senior years, you did one project each year. And my junior year, I actually was able to study abroad. They have a satellite program in Germany, and it was all focused on documentary. And so I made a documentary about another passion of mine, which is cycling. And it it was called Bike Life. And it was a short doc about bike culture in Europe. And I actually have a relative there in Switzerland who started a chain of electric bike shops that has since blown up. And Europe's like 10, 20 years ahead of the United States in in terms of e-bikes, which are now really getting popular here in the States. But it was a really cool project to work on. And then my senior year, I was able to do a service project in India 
while I was there, it was all focused on malnutrition and, and health services in rural India. And I made a documentary focused on one sort of story about a, a girl that had been brought to the health center there that we were supporting. And it's crazy now looking because I have a three-year-old. I have three-year-old twins right now. And this girl, she was three years old and she weighed something like 12 pounds. And it was just crazy. But like she was able to get the help she needed and yeah, it was like a pretty cool story. So those two videos, or those docs were were good projects and yeah, a good part of my film school days. Growing up, I went on road trips here and there in California, but it wasn't until college where I was able to do a little bit more traveling and I was always documenting everything. And again, this is kind of like even like five years before the whole travel vlogger, content creator, YouTuber lifestyle has, has really blown up. I used to make little travel films, mostly for myself. I put it on Vimeo because that was like the cool thing to do before YouTube was really big. It's interesting because if I was five years later, I would have probably been doing a lot more of that and dived into like travel vlog and, and that lifestyle. But Life changes, you go down different paths, and now I've got a family, and uh, <laughs> doing the travel lifestyle is not really uh, conducive to that right now. After graduating from college, I was in a boatload of debt, and I was really just looking for any way to make money. And my skills coming out of school were video editing, video production, so I bounced around to a couple. I, I held a full-time job at Participant Media, which is a big production company. They've done a lot of great documentaries uh, over the years. And then I switched and got a job at a, a local college in their media department. And I was always doing side jobs, taking on freelance video work. I started my own wedding videography business. So I was always looking for ways to make extra income just because I, one, wanted to move out of my parents' house. I had moved back there for a little bit, but as soon as I had a more stable full-time job, I moved out. And I hated the weight of the student loan debt, which when I say it's like stupid, crazy amount, is it ended up being like $107,000 total out of Loyola Marymount, which I would not recommend to anyone because it's soul-crushing it's a soul-crushing amount of debt. And so, you know, talking about hard, going to bed, hard to sleep, just anxiety. And so that's why I worked so hard, like very hard the first few years out of college to find any way possible to make some extra income to try to pay that down. It was right around that time, 2012, 2013, where I started to hear about like this idea of passive income. And I started following Pat Flynn, who started Smart Passive Income. And my initial idea was to write an ebook. I had journaled a lot during film school. And my initial idea was to write the diary of a film student and just sort of, just sort of like a personal story about my time in film school. And then at the same time, I was working at this college and they were putting together their own online courses for their students. And I was in charge of, of that. So I was doing a lot of research into 
what does an online course look like? What does an online learning platform look like? And Udemy.com had just started in 2011. And it was one of the platforms I saw and used as an example of like, wow, this is so cool. Like you could take courses on any topic, anyone can teach it. You've got places to like write your notes down, you could ask questions. And it's like super affordable for people to take these classes. And it, there was nothing really like it at this time. There were big... Um, I don't even know if people use the term MOOC anymore, but M-O-O-C, Massive Open Online Courses, I believe it is. Those were like put out by big universities. And this idea of online education was starting to formulate. But Udemy, for me, was the first place I saw where like anybody can create an online course. And so all these ideas were just like, okay, this could be a And I just went for it. I just spent a couple months putting together that first course, put it up on Udemy. And within a few weeks, I made a couple sales. And it was like a light bulb that just sort of turned on. And it was a lot different back then because there was there were not many instructors on Udemy. There weren't many courses. And like the homepage of Udemy, like if you put a course out, it would just automatically appear on the homepage as like newest course. And so I got in at a pretty good time, very lucky to get in at the right place, right time kind of thing. But yeah, like I said, the light bulb kind of turned on. I was like, this makes sense. And I slowly just continued to create more courses and have expanded to partnering with other creators and educators to, to create classes. And I think we have over 100 courses that I've helped put out so far. And it's been a it's been almost just about 10 years since that first course came out. And now that's my full-time thing for the past seven years now. Gradually, Phil defined the scope and scale of his online education business. He was eventually able to make it his full-time job and to enjoy the passive income it provides. So our courses are, it started out mostly video creation, photography. We have like big general beginner photography classes. We have more niche photography courses like night photography or landscape photography or food photography. We've got all sides of video production from cinematography to editing and motion graphics, fundraising for film. And we've expanded to other related topics like design, graphic design. And then since then, I've just continued to expand to broader topics as I've learned a lot about things like business and marketing, online digital marketing. So we have courses on that. But our bread and butter and what I'm most passionate about are the, the photography courses and the video production courses. We really pride ourselves on trying to cater towards complete beginners in our classes. We are constantly trying to update our courses and we continue to create more advanced courses to make sure that people feel like they're getting an advanced education. But really, our, what we're trying to do is get people who are just interested in photography. They just got a camera for their birthday or they're just trying to learn how to make videos for themselves, start their own YouTube channel, or maybe they run a business or work for another business and their boss tells them, hey, can you <laughs> learn how to make a video for us? 
And we're just trying to help people just getting started with video creation. I mean, it's also different from when I started 10 years ago. The whole idea of like content creator and people making their own videos has multiplied exponentially the number of people putting out video content. And so now it's like everybody's mom, grandma, grandpa needs to know how to make a video nowadays because that's just kind of the content that people are consuming. So we kind of got you know lucky about that too, because when I went to film school, it was like, well, good luck with that. There's not really a, a future unless you're like one of the lucky people to, to make it in Hollywood. Like knowing how to make videos, that wasn't like a, a very fruitful proposition. But now it's like, man, video editing, video creation, this is a skill that's needed and I think will be needed for the long run too. Depending on the course, it can take a long time or a short time. It really depends on the type of course. So some of my courses are are strictly like short screencast courses where I'm teaching an application that it's just a voiceover and I'm walking someone through an application. Other courses of mine are full-blown productions where I'm working with multiple instructors, where writing out scripts, we're going and shooting out on location, wherever it is at a local park or going to downtown LA to do like a travel photography course. And so there's like a huge range of how long it takes to make a course. But I've also gotten very efficient at it. And so in terms of the amount of hours, it's it's hard to put a, a, a number on how long it takes for a typical course. But I think from idea to completion, most of my courses will take me a month or two to to put together. And that's not full-time work, but maybe a, a solid, you know, two to three weeks of full-time effort to to put together a course. And we try to put out comprehensive courses. They're generally five to six hours of content and sometimes even longer. Like some of our courses are 20, 25 plus hours of content. We don't pump out courses. There's some content creators and course creators who like can just pump out a course every week. But we spend a little bit more time trying to make sure that the outline is good, that we're we're pre-producing the course so that we know it's going to be something that students like. We do a lot of like project-based courses. So some of it's like planning the project that we're going to be teaching students. And so that takes a while too to come up with those projects. The online courses is definitely somewhat of passive income. I'm still making money from some of those first courses that I put out 10 years ago or nine years ago. And that's what's awesome about them. I have these courses on a number of platforms too. And so I always say that I think of each individual course as like a little stream of income. And it's also on multiple platforms. So each platform, it's all these little streams of income that come in and create my full-time, I guess, river of, of income. It's not completely passive. Some, some content or course creators, it's mostly passive because once they put it out, they don't do any sort of follow-up. They're not answering student questions. But for us, we try to make sure that we're updating the content. Initially, it was me responding to questions. Now I have a couple of assistants who help like responding to questions, help manage different things like social media posting or some content creation. And so it's not like completely passive. I don't want people to get the sense that you can be successful by just putting out a course and, you know, sitting back. Uh, I think it takes work, 
but it's not it is like i'm not tra trading my time for for dollars anymore which is awesome because I, it's not like i'm sitting here making 15 20 50 dollars an hour whatever it is with my time it's i'm getting paid for all the work that i put in over the past 10 years and i would love for it to continue for as long as possible and i feel like the online education space is it's growing but it's also getting to a point where there's so many different platforms, there's so many people getting into it that it's starting to level off, I think, in terms of like the potential for what one person can make because we're getting to a saturation point, I think, anyways. I would love to think that there's still a lot of potential for, for growth. I think there is because there's people around the world who still have never heard of places like Skillshare or Udemy who are going to eventually get on those sites. but. It's definitely I can't lie that it's it is harder now than before to to jump into this space. Phil outlined some of the skills he teaches that he believes are necessary for content creators today. He also gives his outlook on the future of online education. I think the skill that we teach that is is likely the most needed but also the easiest to get into and to be able to make money from it is probably video editing. Video editing and graphic design, motion graphics. I've personally had a lot of success knowing those skills in my life because it just seems like I have all kinds of friends and connections who need those kinds of skills, whether it's me helping someone make an actual video, edit a video for them, for their business they're starting, or getting involved with our local community and local politics and someone doing an election needs campaign materials. Graphic design is a great skill to have. And also with video editing, I learned this from film school. It's, it's just a skill that is not as glamorous as the other sides of video production. And I think a lot of people don't have the patience for it. They're not as interested in it. They want to be the director, the cinematographer, the screenwriter. But I found because I was interested in editing in film school, I was always being asked to edit people's projects. I never was sort of like didn't have work to do. And I think the same thing happened when I got into the real world where there just weren't as many people interested in editing. Nowadays, I think everything's more competitive in this space just because there's a lot more people doing it. But it's also easier to do editing than ever before because before when I was right out of school, you would have to meet up with people in person to transfer files. You would have to take a hard drive or work on site at their location. Nowadays, all this can be done online. So you could be an editor who has a great workstation at home and people can kind of just send you their files to, to edit. And and that's the thing about this space too, is there's just so many content creators out there. And once you're a content creator and you get to a certain point, you don't want to be editing your own content. It's just too time intensive. And for you, your time is more valuable going out, creating new content or coming up with ideas for content. So being someone who knows how to edit that video and edit it well, efficiently, and just someone that can you can trust to do it is definitely a skill that I think is valuable. So we have courses on like Adobe Premiere Pro, which is, I would say my, it's the app I use and it's the one that most people I know use. Final Cut Pro is another option and we, we also have a class in that too. And there are some people that use Final Cut Pro, of course, 
But if you're looking for one recommendation, I would say Adobe Premiere Pro is a great skill to know for making money as a video editor. Now, that's if you want sort of like a traditional job, it could be freelance or full time as an editor. If you're looking to just be like a content creator, you have a passion for, I don't know what, playing ping pong or a passion for the history of Europe or whatever it is you're passionate about and you want to like make a, mo- a living from that. I think general just video production is what you need to learn and just how to use a camera, how to light yourself, how to compose an image, how to tell those stories. That's probably like the first skill that I would recommend using. If you're looking to learn photography or if you want to learn photography, I definitely think there's still value in that. I mean, just an anecdote from my personal life is that I I get friends and family members asking me to take their photos, take their portraits. And whenever they get my photos, which I take with like an actual camera, not a phone, people are always like, wow, this is like the best photo that I have of myself, you know, in years. And part of it is just because the quality of the photo is different than your your smartphone camera. And yes, those cameras are amazing. They're starting to compete with the look and style of a traditional mirrorless or DSLR camera. But I, I definitely think there's value in learning photography. And it is another way to jump into a more creative career or more like a freelance skill. I mean, specifically doing wedding photography or wedding videography. There's weddings everywhere around the world. And that's always been sort of my backup, backup, backup plan is to go back to doing wedding video or photography because we're not at a point and I don't think we're close to a point where brides and grooms are going to be hiring people with smartphones to take photos at their wedding. It's not a cyclical. It happens once a year kind of thing. Weddings are happening everywhere all the time. And I, f- I feel like it's a relatively simple thing to break into. You got to just find a couple friends or family members who will either let you take photos at their wedding for free or you know pay you a little bit to do it. Or you just ask them if you could tag along with the actual photographer and take some photos to build up your portfolio. And then it's a lot of word of mouth. But once you have a couple of those you know, weddings or even just like family portraits during holiday times. Like I get the same families asking me or asking my other friends who do photography locally every year. They want new photos. So yes, definitely photography is a, a worthwhile skill and it's it's so much more than the camera. It doesn't matter really what camera you use at the end of the day, but if you can compose and you know lighting and also how to edit photos. Those are skills that can help you break away from your office job or your 9 to 5 for sure. Podcasting in 2022 has, I think, never been of higher quality. I don't do my podcast regularly anymore. I used to have a podcast about online teaching. It was online. It's, it's still out there for anyone who wants to listen. We have, I think, over 100 episodes. Online Course Masters. And so I interviewed other course creators. And so people can search that. And and that'll be on Apple Podcasts and everything. It's still there. I love doing the podcast. It was sort of a great sort of passion project, just almost therapeutic to be able to sit down and talk to people, like-minded people. 
hear their story. At the end of the day, I stopped doing that regularly because once I had kids myself, I had to really prioritize my time to make sure that my online course, the actual business of it was growing and maintaining. And it was just one of those extra things that I, I had to let go of, which was really hard, actually, because I, I did enjoy it. But yeah, you listen. I listen to podcasts all the time. There's a certain... I don't know what percentage of people listen to podcasts. It's not everyone, but there's a lot of dedicated podcast listeners out there. And the production quality, though, has increased. And the ones that are the best... I mean, I think about some of these podcasts that are out there, like starting with like Serial, which came out a few years ago. And that was like, they're spending big budgets, lots of time putting out these podcasts. And that's a different style of podcast, true crime, documentary, journalistic style. That takes a lot of time and effort. But even like these, what we're doing right now, the interview-based podcasts, I think still have a, a place for a lot of people. I, I still enjoy just listening. And the thing about podcasts, if you're interested in a topic, like I'm interested in real estate. So I follow the Bigger Pockets podcast and website. And even though like, their interviews are very similar. They talk about the same topics over and over. Because I'm interested in that topic, I listen to like most of their episodes. And it's probably the same with people who listen to my online course masters shows. Like we talked about the same thing over and over, but it was maybe a slightly different perspective. And people loved it. And I think what podcasts can do compared to an Instagram post or a TikTok video is it gives you time and space to really dive deeper into a topic and hear like full long stories and make that deeper connection with with your audience. You know, if you're listening to this and you're listening to Matt, you might feel like you know him or like when I listen to Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income podcast, I feel like I know Pat because I've listened to him talk for hours now or days now and that's what you can do with a, a podcast. It's a great form of of content and it's never been easier. It's free to do if you want to use anchor.fm, which is like so simple. It's completely free. It used to be a lot harder to purchase hosting and, and all of that to get your podcast on a place like iTunes or Apple Podcasts. But now it's just like simple, a couple clicks of a button and you can record, you can edit and share it with the world. So yes, definitely podcasts are a great form of content. Ooh, the debate between a generalist and a specialist. I think in the frame of being a content creator and jumping into the content creation world, having a general idea of everything is a good thing. Like, yeah, you need to know video. You need to do, know some graphic design. You need to know how to edit your videos. You need some marketing skills to post it on social media. So I think if you're doing that, that's as a one person, which most people are when they're jumping into the content creator life, you do need to know everything. But in terms of like long-term success as a professional, I might argue that it's still beneficial to be super highly skilled in one area. And I'm thinking about it in the world of film production. But when you're like working on film sets and you're working in the film world, you're not going to hire the the guy that or girl that knows a little bit about everything to 
run your sound on set or to do your motion graphics or to color your your edit you're gonna hire the person that is the best at that and has specialized in that and I think that's actually why I've <laughs> kind of fallen away from the traditional film world because I I didn't do that I did not specialize enough I think I could have if I wanted to just focused on editing and in another life I probably would just be Phil Ebener the editor now who maybe is editing like Netflix documentaries or something but I am a generalist and ever since I graduated from school I kind of did it all I did my own videos I wore all the hats and that's been successful for me so I don't think there's necessarily like one is going to be more successful than the other, but there's different places. And if you're a content creator trying to do this, in the beginning, you're going to want to know kind of a little bit of everything. So that's where I think being a generalist is, is maybe better. I think video content is going to be around for, for a long time, at least for the rest of our lives, people listening to this. I think it's going to change in the form and the format, and it's changed so much over the past 10 years. I mean, think about what content most people are consuming now. It's like 15-second TikTok videos or... A lot of people are putting out now. So in that sense, it's become much more democratic and anyone can get into this world because you can pull out your phone and start recording and editing video. And that might be kind of daunting because it's then, then you're like, well, is learning video a worthwhile skill to have? It, there's just everybody is doing it now. So how do, I, how do I stand out? How do I, what skills do I need to learn to stand out? Is it even worth learning these skills? But I think what we've seen is that there's the one-offs that can that are just people with such great personalities and are so charismatic that it doesn't matter what how good of a story it is or good of a edit it is. It doesn't matter if they use good graphics or have good cinematography in their videos. You're going to be engaged in it. But in the long run, I think for most content creators out there, the ones that rise to the top are the ones that actually have really good skills, whether it's storytelling, it's higher quality video production skills. You watch YouTube, there's a lot of people out there that make great videos now, but I think there's still room for people who want to get into it to learn how to, to do it in a more advanced way and make a career out of it or or whatever you want from it. If it's just you want to have a YouTube channel for fun, if you want to be a full-time YouTuber or whatever it is, I definitely think there's room. And uh, it's not easy though. It takes hard work and time and patience. And what I've learned with even in the online teaching world, most content creators who have stuck with it through the ups and downs when it was hard in the beginning, but have just continued to put out the content, most of them have been successful and have left on their own terms if they've left. Most people who, who aren't successful left too early, didn't try hard enough, um, or weren't patient enough. There's still value in learning these skills and 
there's still a place for for you if you're listening and you're like wanting to be a content creator. I definitely think there's going to be, and I'm sure there's already schools out there, especially with what happened with COVID and people just learning online. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of childhood education model where it's strictly online courses, whether it's pre-recorded courses or a combination of some pre-recorded and then some live instruction. I think that's definitely going to be the case. The difference is with that versus something like a Udemy or a Skillshare is that that takes some sort of like accreditation, government support. There's lots of different things that have to go into that. But in terms of just people learning skills and wanting to learn things, I hope that our online courses on Udemy and other places get expanded and more people, kids and teens start taking them. I have a lot of kids uh, or parents who have their kids take our courses. Sometimes it is part of like their accredited homeschooling curriculum and that they can like pick a class and that's really exciting. But there's no doubt in my mind that just the world of edu- online education is is still going to continue to grow and that's going to be an option for people in the future. Phil recounts his experience giving away his classes for free in early 2020. The future of his business and how to balance it with his family life and overall advice for content creators. So when 2020 hit, yeah, it was like March 2020. I had actually, my daughter was just born that month and it was crazy being in the hospital. When we went into the hospital, there was nothing except like the rumors of there's this COVID thing that's starting. And I remember our nurse, the first nurse we talked to was like, I just got back from Italy. And Italy was like one of the places it had like, started getting bad they started doing the lockdowns and she's like yeah i was two weeks there it was great like it was super quiet like they upgraded my room and we're like sitting there about to have a baby we're like uh is this okay but she was like oh i had to quarantine at home 10 days before i came to work yada yada but then by the time we left the hospital it was like okay i was getting my temperature checked we weren't wearing masks at that point at least going into the hospital, which was, you know, crazy how things changed. But all that to be said, it was a crazy time. I had planned to like just not work for a few months, which is one of the beautiful things about teaching online, passive income, content creator, you kind of run your own schedule. I'm fortunate to be able to make enough money like without having to put in the time today or tomorrow. It's I can kind of take time off, which is awesome. But then COVID hit. And I think in those first couple months of COVID lockdowns, the whole vibe was like, okay, everybody take advantage of this time, learn a new skill, you know, read books, be super productive so that when we get back to work in a couple months or weeks or whatever, you're going to like have these new skills and, and everything. And it was in that vein where I was like, you know what, my way of getting back could be to just give my courses out. And so I did, I did that. And I just created that one, I think it was like a social media post. And I just linked to all my classes, gave them all for free. And it went viral. It was like crazy because I shared it to a couple of like my groups and things. But I think the end number is like, I had something like three or 4 million enrollments in the different classes. And that's not different students. But it's like, if someone enrolled in multiple classes, like, 
it's like something like that and it was like kind of crazy to the point where where Udemy was actually like crashing or slowing down like I couldn't see a lot of like my back end data like and Udemy was like okay we actually need to stop this they like paused my coupons from being able to be used and then they actually even ultimately changed the rules so that like we can't give out unlimited coupons anymore forever it was awesome though because there were a lot of people who who were super appreciative of it. And I mean, it's it was also at a time where like people were like, well, I don't have a job. I'm not working right now. Maybe I'm not getting paid, but I, I can kind of upskill and, and learn these skills. And I did it in the vein of like just wanting to give back, but it's also paid off. Uh, I, I've gotten a lot of people who were appreciative of that, who are now like faithful customers who have who maybe never knew about me, but now they know my courses and perhaps have bought a course in the future. And that's not the reason why I did it, but it has benefited me that way too. Fast forward, what are we now? Two two years going on. We're almost hopefully done with this whole COVID thing. I think looking back, I'm like, okay, it was great to like maybe give back and get people to try to like take advantage of their time home. But now I think we're realizing, well, it's okay if we all went through this traumatic experience and you know we didn't take online courses, we didn't read a hundred books. Like it's okay if we just kind of like struggled and survived it. Having to be productive during that time period was not a necessity or maybe even beneficial. So I have a little bit of guilt in that sense too. But overall, I think giving away content, giving away things, I, I'm always trying to do that just to um, help people out and. And of course, it helps the business too. So there's all sides of it. My spare time is pretty much zero at this point. I, I fill my time with... It's just filled with watching kids and things like that. If I had more time, I would definitely try to actually do a lot more of the things that I teach. I'm at that point where it's like, okay, I need to force myself to make time to go out and take photos or, or to do that kind of thing. The one thing that I have been excited to do the past couple years is I've worked with my wife to start a very local newspaper. The newspaper business is not like a fruitful business at all, but it's more of just a way to give back. And I help with like the graphic design of the some of like the content, and also I make videos for that where we highlight like a local business or a local story. And so that's been like something that has been good to kind of do on the side outside of like I'm not trying to make money from it it's just giving back to the local community but I think as a content creator we get into this trap too of trying to think of how can I make money from everything I do and especially as like a video creator because I'm I've gotten really into mountain biking over the past few years and I started thinking oh I could start a mountain biking YouTube channel this is going to be awesome and you know, film all the trails I'm going on. But then it's like, no, just like stop. Like, the, I don't need to film everything. And sometimes it's like better to just not even bring the camera along. It's necessary to sort of step back sometimes. My kids already want to learn how to take photos and they love touching my camera. And I hate, I hate it, honestly, because I'm like, I just don't want them to change the settings and things like that. But we did get them my boys, twins, they, they're almost four now and we got them little cameras for Christmas. And so they're like totally into the 
photography world and it's totally like normal for them to have cameras around and they love posing for the camera and now it's just like these little like plasticky cameras but they're digital and you can see kind of what you're taking a photo of on the back and they love playing with those and I'm definitely not gonna like pressure my kids into any sort of career or anything and I'm not like trying to film my kids life and post it to social media although it is like hard to not like take cute photos of them and not post it to my Instagram so it's a balance though but yeah I think they're gonna totally just kind of naturally be into I don't know if it's making videos but definitely like photography and taking photos we'll see though What's next for me? So video school has gotten to a pretty good place. It's got, I think like any business or content creator or entrepreneur who has started something, their initial idea kind of goes through different phases or rebranding or things like that. I tried all kinds of things with the website to do more content like blog articles. I've done different podcasts and different things like that. I think I've like really gotten happy with where I'm at right now with really just focusing back on like the basics of creating the courses and updating the courses and serving my students and making sure they're happy. I've created a lot of courses and it's it might be kind of daunting to to look at my course catalog and think, okay, well one, like how can you create all this content? And two, like how do you know all this stuff to teach good courses on all the content and I mean, the truth is that a lot of the classes that I do, I partner with other experts. Um, so most of the classes that I teach now are co-creations with other people. And so that's partly why I can create so much in a short amount of time and also have such a wide range of classes. But now I'm just kind of like looking back at some of our best classes and seeing how we can just make them better. I, I don't think I need to create a bunch of new courses uh, I've kind of like taught everything I need to know. Um, but like things like I'm doing this year, I tried to tell myself that I wasn't going to create any new courses. I've I've failed at that uh, just because it's the thing I like doing. And I have people who come to me and say, oh, you want to create this class? I'm like, yeah, sure. But I told myself I was going to not create new courses. But, and what I was going to do was just update my courses. But like things I'm doing now, it's like we created a bunch of Lightroom presets that we're giving away in a lot of our photography courses. We created a bunch of like Photoshop brushes and we're adding those to our Photoshop course every month. We have our Photography and Friends community, which is a Facebook group for all of our students in our photo classes. And that's almost, it's going to hit 100,000 members this year. And so trying to like do like contests and live streams and that is something I really like doing. And so a lot of this year, it's just kind of making sure my my courses are good. And yeah, just trying to make our students happy and give back that way. My advice for content creators in 2022 is to not get distracted by all of the platforms out there. I think it's easy for someone to feel like they need to be on TikTok. They need to have an Instagram account. They need to be on YouTube. They need to have a podcast. They need to do all of these things to be successful. Uh, one, if you don't have a team working for you, unless you're like single without any other responsibilities, it's going to be just hard to find the time to do that yourself. And two, I, 
you're spreading yourself out too thin where I think you can actually be more successful if you focus on one platform and maybe even one form of content and try to do that. And I think for me, platforms like YouTube and even like podcasting or, you know, not so much as blogging on a website anymore, but platforms where you're putting out content that is easy to find later on versus what's like maybe like uh, an Instagram account or even TikTok where you put out something and then tomorrow it's gone and it's hard for people to find it. Focusing on a platform where you can like put out content that's going to exist for the next five, 10 years and maybe still have people coming to that content is probably worth your time rather than focusing on the social media platforms. Now, there's gonna be people that argue with me about that and there's people who have had a lot of success and maybe overnight success using platforms like TikTok and that's great and maybe you can sort of parlay that into creating another successful form of content creation, but just don't worry if you can't be on every platform all the time. It's just not sustainable and I think you'll find more success if you just focus on one one type of content and really focus on one, that one platform. The best way for people to find out more about me is to start at videoschool.com. From there, they can find all of our courses. You can choose whatever platform you like best. If you want to take them on Udemy or Skillshare, you can do that. You can also take them on my own site on videoschool.com. We use Teachable to host our courses and you can actually get all of our courses completely free for one month. And then after that, we do have a, a monthly membership if you want to take all of our courses and learn all of our skills. Um, so you can do that. But yeah, videoschool.com. And then if you search for me on Instagram at Phil Ebener, you can find out more about me, follow me and just kind of yeah see what I'm, I'm up to. I'm, I go in waves of being super active on Instagram and then some months I'm not, but that's probably the best place to, to follow me. I'm super happy to be on this the show and I hope everyone listening has been inspired a bit and if you did definitely send me a message on Instagram or find me and let me know what you thought. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight@gmail.com at gmail.com and follow the show on social at creatorsbymoonlight.com.